as we get started here this morning, um, just wanting to, uh, I think Don, is Don here? Don Eviat is here. So we're glad to see you, brother. Glad that you're here this morning with us. Um, yeah, and again, please be praying for, um, this is a, an important prayer request at this time in our church body life for Patty as she moves on. Please remember to be praying for her in that transition and for Jenny and, um, and then the board of directors for Child Evangelism Fellowship. Um, so there's some states that don't have a, a state director and um, uh, we hope that, you know, in good timing, we know that God will provide uh, for a state director here. In the meantime, please be praying for those gals in, in that time. Okay, um, here's our plan for the next four weeks. We are um, we're going to be speaking four more times on the topic of discipleship and making disciples. And um, uh, I'll be doing today and then next week, and then Pastor Brennan will be doing two messages on it. And then we'll transition into a book study, most likely in the New Testament, uh, a book study from the New Testament. So we're excited about that. And um, we are excited about starting up our our Sunday school times. However, next Sunday, if you hadn't heard already, uh, Jim and Joyce Hatfield will be with us. And if you're not coming to Sunday school, we'd encourage you to come and hear from Jim and Joyce Hatfield next Sunday in the Fellowship Hall. Um, they used to be here in, in uh, Fallon for Child Evangelism Fellowship until the Lord moved them along to Kentucky. And um, yeah, Hatfield, yes. Hatfield, Kentucky, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, come and hear of their uh, lives and ministry uh, next Sunday morning and uh, be blessed in that way. Okay, um, for some of you, it's not that long ago. You remember uh, childhood milestones, right? Um, whether it was just marking the, the little place on the wall, you know, little Jimmy was this tall, now he's this tall. Actually, you know, Devin walking in, you know, Devin used to be this tall and now Devin's this tall. <laughs> you know, milestones in uh, growth. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago, was it, that I got my driver's license at 16 in Minnesota? Anyway, um, you remember milestones of growing up, don't you? And, um, you know, there's some fun ones and then some not-so-fun ones that you remember. Um, like, it was rather embarrassing to have to go through that, but somehow that was uh, causing you to grow and mature. So, under this heading of discipling and being a disciple... God has a design for your development, just like you are growing physically and, uh, you know, you're, especially you younger people, you're getting taller, you're getting uh, stronger and all that stuff that goes along with maturing physically. Every one of you that says you're a child of God you're supposed to be growing in, the, in a similar fashion. And it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. Right, Bill Gunn? <laughs> okay. And, it, you know, it doesn't matter. But somehow, 
in the church today, we've managed to figure out saying, oh, um, I'm retired and I, I, I kind of been there, done that. So in other words, without saying it, you're saying I'm done. Is that wise? No. You know, all of us are still in this family. If you're saying you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we're all in the family of God. Therefore, here's this development that God has going on to to mature you in the faith. And our pride and our arrogance can get in the way and cause us to think, I've been to plenty of... uh, you know, um, shepherds conferences or Beth Moore conferences. And, you know, I, I, I get it. And we're, we're stunting our growth by thinking that way. God wants to keep, uh, keep us on this pattern of growing and developing just like our young people are just like they are. And we, we, we see them come in and we go, they, they're, they're back from a couple of years uh, in college or something. And they come back and we say, wow, you're looking great. Looking so strong for a young man or so beautiful for a young woman. All that. So the passage that we're talking about this morning is 1 John chapter 2. You can look in your bulletin and follow along with the outline. And it's called the disciples development. This is God's design. And this passage is about the nature of the Christian. And it's declaring what is true of Christians. It's not a, a thing you opt out of. It's true of Christians. Okay? You are called, child of God, you are called to spiritual maturity. But the whole thing is, it doesn't happen by itself. Your participation is required. And all the while, you are pointing back to the grace of God that brought me through and grew me up and helped me to draw near to Christ in all these events of life. So it's generated by his life in you. Okay? His life in you. And it's carried on and, and, and supported by his grace all the way. And you either will be a willing participant or you will be a stubborn, lazy spectator. And we've said it in the past. Christianity is not a, what, spectator sport. Got it? Yesterday at the soccer game. I don't know how many times. I I help with a girls' varsity program. And um, I don't know. There's times where I just want to, I'm going out there. Now, I, I know I can't for a number of reasons, not just because it's against the rules, but other reasons of conditioning and being looking like an idiot out there with the girls. But it's, I, it's just, I want to get in. It's like, oh, go. And see, that's what God wants us to do in his family, in the Christian life, in ministry, in discipling. He wants you to get in the game. Are you in the game? Are you in the ministry? Are you serving him? Okay. And yes, you serve him on uh, at home. You serve him at home. That's number one. You be who you should be at home with your family, with your spouse, with your children. You be the example at home. 
You be the example at work. You be the example at school. Okay? That's what God wants. So either you're growing or you're dying. You're not. You're not growing. So that's the idea behind this passage in 1 John chapter 2. Let's read it together. 1 John chapter 2, 12 through 14. Follow along, please, in your Bible. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I've written to you, children, because you know the father. I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So it sounds a bit repetitious, but there's a reason for that. He's all he's doing here is he's taking a moment to give a great listen, a great encouragement to the believers. Okay, and so I want to point out what is quite basic here, and that is. Three stages of development, three stages, okay? And he jumps from, he starts with children, but then he jumps to fathers, and then he comes back to young men, and then he goes back to children, fathers, and young men. And he does it in that order. In our minds, it goes children, young men, fathers. Why does he do this? I believe it it might have to do something about, here's the goal, children. Here's your goal, Children, believers in Jesus, your goal is to mature to being a father type of figure. And before we go any further, this crosses over, obviously, for females. It's not just for males. It's for all believers. Doesn't matter what age. Doesn't matter what gender. Start at childhood. Grow into father that's your goal the young men is really like the transition time and we'll see that as we go through this study so number one is the entrance stage the entrance stage i'm writing to you little children referring to all christians that what john is known for this title little children okay and we start with this entrance stage by those in letter a in your outline those who have a new life and fill in the blankets, those who are born again. They have new life. What does the term born, uh, little ones mean? Uh, children mean here? It means born ones. Like infants. Like Chase. He's an infant. He's in the family. Okay? It's not a question if he's in their family or not. No, he's in the family. He's a child. So we're referring to, in this text then, obviously, new converts. It's how one enters into the family of God. It's new life in Christ. And it ought to be a stage of great joy. Is it not, mom and dad? Yes, it is for moms and dads. It's a great joy. Don't get me started on grandparenting. It's great. Love it. I want more. Okay? Now, listen, we can get all jazzed and and excited about literal children and literal grandchildren, but God wants us to rejoice in 
salvation in new converts, there ought to be great rejoicing. Why? The angels in heaven are rejoicing. Why aren't you and I? You know, that's the idea behind discipleship, isn't it? Go and make disciples, share the gospel, tell them about the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. And notice that these born ones, they didn't just, you know, it's not about them, you know, making a decision. It's about them being what? John chapter 3, born again. Let's turn there. John chapter 3. I'm sorry. Let's, uh, it's John chapter 3. But also, the, actually, the reference I want you to look at is John chapter 1. John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about this whole issue of being born again. But in John chapter 1, it really hits it right on the, right away at the beginning of this gospel. Look at John chapter 1, verse 13, uh, 12. In 12, it says, but as many as, see it? As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who, what? Believe on his name. There's that part that you are responsible for. You need to, what? Believe on his name. And then he gives the right to become children of God. Now look at verse 13. Who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. In other words, it wasn't something that, you know, you figured it out. I've said this before. It's not something that you just all figured it out and put the pieces together and you said, oh, I'm going to be a Christian. Somehow, some way, God was working in your life and drawing you. Maybe it was through faithful parents saying, let's go to church. And the, the seeds of the word of God were planted in your heart. So yet, here's still God's work that took place in drawing you to the place of repentance and faith. The Bible even says that repentance is a gift from God. In the book of Acts, it talks about he gave them the gift of repentance. And that's what we need. We need to understand that salvation, it's, it's of God. Jonah, the prophet says, salvation is of the Lord. So we need to understand that this, this being born again is a gift from God. Titus chapter 2 talks about being regenerated by the Holy Spirit. That's the gift of being of new life, new life in Christ. So, and by the way, we all know and see it, um, children and infants, especially in this idea of little children, infants need protection. You know, they don't know anything coming into the world. So they need protection. Uh, They need somebody over them giving them judgment and discernment. No, you can't eat that and you can't drink that. No, 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 no. There's, there's got to be that. And that's the way it is in God's family. There needs to be some judgment and discernment and protection, so to speak, for them and get them on the pathway of growing up. You ask a little child, you want to grow up? You want to get to being an adult? It's not like you're threatening them or anything. You're just saying, you know, everyone does. Every little child wants to grow up. Yeah, I want to, I want to be a pilot like my dad, or I want to do this like my mom or whatever. It's little children. Okay. But children, listen, children have this new life and they're born again. Letter B, they have a new start, meaning they're forgiven. 
for God's people, that's the that's one of the highlights, and that's what John mentions. Look at that. In back to first John chapter two. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. So forgiveness is stamped on all the paperwork for the little child. They're forgiven. There's an understanding there in a child of God that forgiveness is one of the shining lights in the bright lights of their new life in Christ. They're forgiven of their sins. They've been pardoned. Why? Because of Jesus. And that's for his name's sake. Okay? Forgiveness is a real thing. It, when you are forgiven, and all of you that say you're a believer, you should understand this. The guilt has been lifted. The burden has been lifted. There's no more of this, um, you know, saying, oh, God's got all this stuff against me. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the price to remove the, the burden of sin. He's, he's pardoned you. You're forgiven. And as a growing child in the faith, you continue to say, yes, I understand that I sin. And so I confess that to God. First John chapter one, verse nine, I confess that to him and I keep walking with him in fellowship. So forgiveness is critical forgiveness, knowing that you are forgiven of your sins, as he's saying here, as a child of God is basic. If you keep wondering in your mind, oh, I don't know if I'm forgiven of that sin. I mean, that was a really big one. And I, so I don't know if I'm really forgiven of that one. And so then the guilt comes in. And then you feel like you got to work your way back up some spiritual ladder. That's wrong thinking. That's not what God intended it to be. Forgiveness is all, it's of his grace. Jesus bore the penalty. He bore our sins on his body and he took the penalty of God's wrath poured out against sin. Jesus took it and you are forgiven. You're pardoned. Your record is cleaned. And that's because of him and his name's sake. You didn't earn it. You will never earn it. It's all of his grace. So therefore, Little children, I've written to you because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. You can then rest. Listen, you rest in his work. Sit back and say, thank you, God. Now, it doesn't say keep sitting back and just kick back on the recliner of life. No, it says then get up eventually. As you grow, you're getting out to what? Serve him because of his amazing grace that's been demonstrated in your life. You want to get out and go serve him. Why? Because of his grace and his love. Letter C, you have a new position. And that is one that will continue on through all the stages of growth. And that's this. And actually all these will continue. You'll always be a child of God. You'll always be forgiven. And letter C, it's a new position, meaning you're, it's a position of dependency, total dependency It always goes back to what Jesus accomplished. He covered it all. These children know the Lord. You look at verse, at the end of verse, uh, 
at the end of verse 13, look at it. At the end of verse 13, he says it again. I've written to you children because you know the Father. He switches it now. He says, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And now he says, because you know the Father. Well, he already said that to the fathers. What's the difference? The difference is the fathers know, and we'll get into this in the next point, the fathers know in a deeper more enduring way the children know by just recognition they look up and they see mommy and daddy coming oh i know them here's the child of god that's brand new in the faith and he's excited about having god as his father now a new position it's one of dependency it's one of submission to him it's not a matter of hey i get to do whatever i want to no it's understanding what a little child is like dependent on his mom and dad right? And when he says it's for his name's sake, it stands for the person and work of Jesus in its totality, meaning that it's all due to who Jesus is and what he accomplished for you, giving you a new life and a new start, okay? And to think that we can call forever, call him father. There's the position of dependency. He's our father. And we understand that it's all for the glory of God. Okay, so that's the first point, the entrance, of, uh, the entrance stage, the child. The second one, he jumps to the experienced stage, the experienced stage. This does not mean the perfection stage. This means the mature, experienced stage. And that's our goal, fathers. And what's known of fathers is letter A, There's been a deepening, present tense, ongoing, a deepening walk with the Lord. He says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And that ought to be a familiar phrase from the letter of 1 John, because he starts out in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, what was from the beginning, what we have seen, what we have seen with our eyes, what we've looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That's Jesus. So it's the idea of growing to know him better and better, learning more and more of what he fully and perfectly accomplished in his mission, in Jesus' mission, coming and laying down his life as the ransom for many. Now, mark down Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 14 when you want to consider what a deepening walk with the Lord looks like, Philippians 3, 7 through 14 tells us. I'll just read a portion of it. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted as loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Okay? So there, that's what Paul is saying at latter stages of his life. You say, wait. Yeah, that's right. He's saying this at the latter stages of his life. I want to continue knowing him and growing in that more and more. Letter B, it's about an enduring walk. Not just an, a deepening walk, but an enduring walk that in the difficult times, in times of great testing, the Christian will preserve and, you know, persevere, I should say. It might be that you know someone that 
had something happen and that caused them to just slide away from walking with Jesus. They didn't persevere. Was that their fault? Was that their problem? What, what's the deal? How come? I mean, or was it God's fault? You know, maybe it's God's fault. The, the pressure was too great. And they kind of got blown away by the situation. That's a hard thing to, to answer and to deal with. But God will not give you anything, you know, that you can't handle. I don't quite get that a lot of times. Some of you, you've been through the grinder and you know, like, how how can that happen? But yet God's grace is what? Greater. God's grace is sufficient. And you and I have to recall those truths to our mind especially in the heat of the battle in the especially in the in the when we're in the mixer and and we just don't know what's up or what's down we got to call to our minds what is true philippians 4 verse 8 whatsoever things are true noble honest excellent praiseworthy think on these things okay so this is a The experience stage is about a deepening walk and an enduring walk, understanding more and more that God is sovereign. God is in control. We have to learn to trust him in those times. He provides for his children. Amen? Yeah. And he protects his children. Even when we think he's far away even when we think he's forgotten us. It's by God's grace that you endure the storms. It's by God's grace that you stay afloat with hope in him. Now, let me say this real quickly, and then we'll move on to the next point. Regarding fathers, when he writes to fathers, okay, we have to clarify this. Just because you're a father or even a grandfather, and you're in an age category you're older it does not necessarily follow that you're experienced in the things of god and so you need to understand you need to call that out if that's true and say i need to grow in understanding the things of god the the truths of god the grace of god because some of you you have banked on what happened 20, 30 years ago in your Christian life. And there's no real true fellowship with the Lord right now to cause you to grow and trust him more and more. I want to challenge you in that. Is your life noted as getting, going deeper and deeper with the Lord? Or an enduring walk where you say, I've been through some tough stuff and God's faithful, God's good. So the idea behind this idea of experience stage is that you'll know God experientially. That doesn't mean you you move off of the word of God. You grow in the things of the word of God so that there'll be an understanding and a knowledge of experience that God, what? Answers prayer. Does God answer prayer? Amen. You know, is, is God... 
provide strength when you're weak. You know that by experience. You've discovered enough wisdom despite my ignorance or your ignorance. You've discovered enough wisdom from God that you know he'll lead you and guide you. And when there's suffering, pain, sorrow, difficulty, and all that stuff of life, to know that God was there. And God was right there with you. And God was there to comfort you. My friend, do you understand that? That's part of the nature and attributes of God. And all too often, we're limiting God because we say, well, he doesn't cover that part of life. Or he doesn't get this part of life. No, we're limiting God. And we're saying God's not quite strong enough. Is that true of little children? What do little children say about their daddy? My daddy can do this. And my daddy can do, you know, there you go. And that's what the little children grows to do to become a young man and then a father. Okay. So there's the experience stage of the fathers. It's a deepening walk and an enduring walk. And there's got to be the understanding of here's, you know, there's, there's no replacement for that kind of experience, my friend. And that experience takes regular daily time in the word. Number three, the, the next stage, which is going kind of back in our minds to the young man stage, which I label as number three, the exchange stage, the exchange. What do I mean by that? Well, it's as a young man grows, he's a young guy and he's understanding that the more he tries to do something in his own physical strength, the more he realizes he fails, the more he understands he, as a believer, he needs to exchange. Here's what God's done. God's already done it. God's the strong and mighty one. God's the almighty one. And what we learn mentally is letter A, we always choose God's way over Satan's way. And we try to understand that and learn about that more and more in your life. Do you recognize that? Do you see the distinction between the two? God's way versus Satan's way. Young people, this is exactly what it is. You know, here's the the description of it for the young man in, in the Bible. Here's the description of it for a young person, male or female, as they grow up. Not everything is just apple pie and cherries all the way. There's things to learn and discern over. And the way that we do that is through the word of God. No one has overcome the devil. And we need to back up and say that. Look at verse 13 there. In the middle of verse 13, look at it. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. And then verse 14, he says, I've written to you young men in the middle of verse 14. I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. And I say that we need to remember no one has overcome the devil in the sense that he's no longer a threat to us. You know, some of you have been uh, saved a very many number of years and you know better than anyone that Satan is still a threat to trip you up and those that you love up, (laughs) to trip you up, to deceive you, to cause you to fall and stumble. Cause, cause you not to trust in God. So 
Rather, it's that Satan, get this, this is important, young people especially, that you understand that Satan no longer, if you're a believer, Satan no longer has mastery over you. He no longer has the mastery over you. And you can glory in that because of Jesus. Okay? He no longer has control over you. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Yeah. Young people, when you struggle and you caught, you know, you got doubt going on in your minds, remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And then we just need to understand this issue, you know, continuing to choose wisely God's ways over Satan's ways, God's wisdom over the world's wisdom, God's spirit over man's nature, uh, the flesh. Keep choosing the wise thing. Write these references down if you want to check it out further. Listen to these references. Romans chapter 6, verse 9 through 14. Romans chapter 6. Do not go on presenting the members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness, but present the members of your body as instruments of righteousness. All that's saying is here's the choice. What are you going to do? In God's strength and in God's grace, you... You present the members of your body, hands, eyes, ears. I don't think you can present your hair very well, but other things, you know, of your body, high, you know, everything that is active in that way, present them as instruments of God's righteousness. Keep your eyes fixed on his righteousness. Use your hands and your feet to serve him. Those are choices that you make, right? Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 25, walk in the spirit. Okay. Um, Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 17. Here you go. You know, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, goodness, all that. So many passages that help us to grow, to choose God's way over the world's way or Satan's way. Then letter B, God's word over self's way. Now I get a little ticky-tacky on it, but selfish ways. God's ways over selfish ways. Again, it's choosing God's word as your food. Choosing God's word as your counsel. Why? Because he says the word of God abides in you, young men, you young women. That's what's true of you, young men or women. The word of God abides in you. Is it? Is that true? Young people, high school people? Are you growing in the knowledge of the word? Not for being a, I know everything, la di da di da. I know all the stuff and you don't. No, not for arrogance or pride like that, but to be a useful tool in the master's hands. Being able to ask someone at school, hey, you know, have you ever stopped to think of what you really believe? And, you know, we're having a Bible study tonight. You know, I'd invite you to come. Or we're having a, a church time, a, you know, where the church gathers together. Come and visit. Come and join us. Come and be a part of it. Also, references to choosing God's way over Satan's, I'm sorry, I didn't mention, was Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Okay? So, all this to say, here's the exchange. God's way over Satan's. God's word over your opinion 
over yourself ways. Choose God's word. The word of God abides in you. You have overcome the evil one. The only way to overcome, you have to be strong in the knowledge of the word of God and in the grace of God. Okay? Then you begin. As a young person, young man, young woman, then you begin to understand more and more, whoa, here's where the power source comes from. Not from me, but from God and my engaging with him in his word, learning his word more and putting it into, into practice in my life. God's power is evident then. So what happens? Here's where muscles start to develop. Right? Muscles start to develop in the young person. Why? Because the word of God abides in them. How shall a young man keep his way pure? How? By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart or treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the word of God has a great... Here's the motivation in learning more about the Lord Jesus, growing to be like him, where spiritual muscles develop in your life. Okay? All right. Um, Maturity comes as you have, you possess, and you hold, and you act upon God's word in your life. That's... And here's point number four. I want to talk about just the difference, the developmental difference in point number four. It's between spirituality and maturity. Okay? Spirituality, what's the difference? If you're a child of God, you have spiritual life. But the question is, is there maturity with it? Okay? There's, there's a difference between spirituality and maturity. Maturity is the final goal. It is what the Spirit of God is aiming at for you to be a grown-up, to be mature. Remember, you know, when we tell our kids, just would you just grow up and they're two years old? Yeah. <laughs> it gets a little more challenging when they're 13 and 14 years old. <laughs> but again, this thing of maturity, it's produced... Uh, Let me back up. Spirituality is the process by which you get there. Maturity is produced by time spent in fellowship with God. Hey, listen, what's the theme of 1 John? Your fellowship with Jesus. It's about fellowship with him. So you're engaging in time spent with Jesus, walking with him, time in his word, activating his word in your life. There's maturity. Okay? So maturity is produced by time spent in fellowship, in spiritual relationship to the Son of God. And that's why people, listen, can live for years and years as a Christian and never mature in their faith. So that's what we want to talk about next week. The the warnings of scripture regarding immaturity for the disciple of Jesus. Spiritual growth is God's design for all of his children. Amen. It's all for all of his children that he wants you to grow. Whether you're young or whether you're old. Moving you from being a spiritual baby 
to a spiritual young man, to a spiritual father stage as you walk with the Lord in your life. So are you a child of God? Is that settled in your mind? Are you a child of God? If not, you need to be saved. You need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You need to admit your sin, repent of sin, and trust in the living God who died on the cross for you. He took your punishment. If you don't, you will have to deal with your own sin before God. And there's no way you will be accepted. There's no way you will be saved. There's no way you will be delivered. You'll die in your sins. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. And then, Christian, get on track with Jesus, with fellowship, and learn and grow in him. That's his design for you. I brought some books. I just want to show you real quickly in closing. I, I did this. I grabbed this at like 10 after 10, just out of my office. Boom, boom. Here's four of many books that you can say, this will help me to become a mature man, woman, in Christ. Jerry Bridges, most anything, got to be careful now. Most anything by Jerry Bridges of the Navigators, he used to be with the Navigators, is excellent material. Okay, this is the pursuit of holiness, and this is the practice of godliness. What a one-two punch, both by Jerry Bridges. Okay, the pursuit of holiness and the practice of godliness. Uh, J. Oswald Sanders, in pursuit of maturity. There goes my bookmark. In pursuit of maturity. Basic things. It's great for, you know, here's, here's stuff we can read with our family or whatever, or just you're on your own reading. And then one by Paul Little. Know what you believe. These books, these are not new books. They've been around for years. Use them. Get active and serving the Lord and saying, you know what? I've been a Christian for a long, long time. But it's time that I get my little spiritual bib off and start growing to be a young man who the word of God abides in. And I know that I've overcome the evil one, not because of my strength, but because of Jesus and his amazing grace. This is the idea of being a disciple, my friend. We're not talking perfection. No one is perfect. It's just saying, are you going to get on track and keep going in that direction? To say, I want to grow in Christ. That's the design of our Father, that you and I would grow. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for our day today, our time right now. Dear Lord, um, we can be so stubborn. I can be, I know I can be so stubborn, Lord. Um, It it might be that I didn't get my way. And I can do some grumbling and complaining about it. And I I admit that, Lord. We admit our need for you to cause us to get stable in our faith, to grow roots down in the ground because of your work in our lives to bring about more and more a reflection, more and more a, a likeness to Jesus in our lives. Please help us with this, Lord. And may we shine for Jesus in Fallon today and through this week, dear Lord. We ask this in your name, for your sake, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Let me 